and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Eagle Eye Podcast. It's episode 27. I hope everyone has their tissues at hand and a bucket of ice cream at their laps because, ladies and gentlemen, as we know, today is going to be one of those very, very sad podcast episodes. But without going any further into detail on what's going to happen, let me introduce my co-host, as always, Mr. Dylan Jimenez. Dylan, how are we? How's the pain? Tissue is ready. It's ready right here, man. So let's get let's just get this over with. Let's get this over with, indeed. As you guys know, we're gonna be talking about uh, Mexico's exit of the World Cup and what it meant for us, and what it meant for the team, and what it means for uh, this Mexican national team going forward. We're also gonna briefly talk about uh, some podcast details that we have for you guys. So a couple of exciting things going on with that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll close it off with a couple bit with a little bit of information rounding up club. America, because of course they are in they are in tour here in the United States, and uh, they've they've been looking good. They've been looking pretty good. So it uh, that that's helping that that's helped uh, to kind of ease the pain for a bit. But uh, Dylan, are we ready to ready to get this over with? I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, let's just let's get it over with. <laughs> All right, let's just uh, like a band aid, right? Let's just gotta rip it off in the first try. Got you, man. Alrighty, well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's talk Mexico versus Brazil. Not the game we anticipated, not the game we wanted, and not the game we previewed by any means necessary. Of course, the end result, Brazil 2, Mexico nil. Neymar takes a leap ahead of us, and Brazil move on into the next round. And of course, with that, we are left, as always, where we've been at for the past couple of years... Haven't been able to move on to that quinto partido. Dylan, I mean, just give me a, a rundown of your feelings of after the final whistle blew. How did it go down there? Um, tears, tears everywhere, you know, but eventually I had to get my act together to head out to my my work just so nobody would see me cry. But then after that, I've been getting everybody asking me, you know, like, oh, you upset? You heartbroken? Well, well hell yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? My team, my nation just lost. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, no, I mean, um, at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is too. Um, I, I look at it, you know, just it, it's frustrating too, knowing that you know this is my second World Cup. I have seen Mexico uh, get knocked out in the round of sixteen too, as well. You know, um, definitely not on that level of hurt. You know, of the fans who have seen it seven times in a row. Or I've seen it longer than I have, but you know it's it's very still hurtful as well. Agree, agreed with you. Um, I mean, at least you got time to kind of recuperate. I was at work working, and uh, everyone saw my saw how my soul and how my spirit was broken down after the after the final whistle blew. But that's football for you. There's nothing. There's nothing like it. We're we're here for the for for the thrill, and then we're also here for the sometimes heartbreak. And that's what it was. I think the thing that was most devastating was the fact that we didn't look like the Mexico we thought we were going to be. You know, the Mexico that we were promised once we took down Germany. The Mexico that was hypened up because of that Germany win. It, it, it seemed that this Brazil team, even though with the quality that they had, weren't really that bright superstar Brazil. And it kind of g- gives you that, you know, bitter taste in your mouth that, this game was more than winnable for us. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you look at it, and, you know, 
you, you'd say to yourself, Mexico's got to have a near perfect game, you know, to, to pull it off. And, you know, you see that going for about 20, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 30 minutes is a little bit of a stretch. But still, I mean, you see that you see good play come out in the beginning of the game. But you think to yourself, too, as well, like, how long can they keep this up? You know, um, obviously, some controversy starting um, off, too, before the game as um, Juan Carlos Osorio gives the nod to uh, Rafa Marquez to start the game and something, you know, a lot of people weren't happy about, too. And so, you know, it's very interesting take to see how that went, how that went down, too. Um, I, for me, you know, you know, obviously, before I talk about the lineup, too, as, as a good line, I think Rafa Marquez did um, better than expected in a sense, but still, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's weird just to, to see Rafa Marquez in the starting 11 against Brazil, too. I agree with you. Um, just, I guess, do you have the lineups with you right now? Or yes, yeah, so I got yeah, it's uh, Ochoa, obviously, um, Edson, Ayala, Salcedo, Gallardo, uh, Hector Herrera, Rafa Marquez, Andres Guardado, uh, Vela, Hernandez, and Lozano. So when that lineup comes out, I think everyone's main thing is OMG Rafa Marquez is starting. What is going on? And I think as soon as you see that or you realize that you're like, crap, here we go. The same rotations that we were so much fussing about. And now they're coming back in what should be the most important game so far. Um, but like you said, I think Rafa did well. I don't think he did exceptionally well. I think he did okay. Um, but to be honest, I would have taken a repeat of the lineup that we had against Sweden than to see this lineup because I think I, I think we lacked a little bit of what we what we were showing in the previous matchups against Brazil. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think a lot of people too are asking and calling for, and saying like, why hasn't Miguel Layun started too as well? You know, you, you would think to to sense you know we would see Miguel Layun in that right back position and then you know. More likely Edson right there in the in the in the holding role position too as well, but you know he really in the in a sense because you know we don't obviously we don't have Hector Moreno either because he was out due to suspension, you know plug in Ayala and then you know just had a Rafael Marquez in the midfield. Yeah, I think we did. I I I think for the players that started, it was a decent game. I think there was a little bit of maybe some players that I expected more from, including for example our captain. And there's Guardado. Um, I think he 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 was maybe a little bit a bit quiet for me in in the sense Hector Hector Herrera I think was another one of those players that just wasn't hitting the form that he was hitting previously. Um, just so many things and and so many players that didn't step up to where I thought you know they were gonna step up because it, like you know they said that this was their game of their life and for some of these players the last ever World Cup match that they were ever gonna play. I think within the first 30 minutes, I think you realized our best player on the pitch was our goalkeeper. Yeah, another interesting thing to note, too, is whenever you whenever you see the game play, you know, uh, um, Lozano and Vela weren't on their, you know, comfortable side, you know. Um, Lozano obviously on the right wing and Vela on the left, you know, something something interesting that I thought, too, whenever the, whenever play started. Obviously, throughout the game, uh, they eventually switched, switched back into Lozano being on the left and Vela being on the right. Yeah, and, and and I don't know. I I liked Vela in that central role. I think he did great. I think he was orchestrating the the attack very very well. I think what he did more on 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 in the center was more than what he could do in the wings. You know, um, I don't I don't know what 
what happened. I really don't know what happened. I wish there was an explanation to everything. Uh, I mean, what's uh, how do you put the performances down? I mean, what what do you think was going through their minds? Um, really, you know, that first half, you know, I think if you look at the first half as a whole, you know, you get you give it a, a above average performance. Really, I mean, yeah, I, I thought the the first half, you know, was exceptionally well. You know, we were doing some good things that, you know, we let Brazil get in there with them a little bit. And, you know, we got out of ours, you know, after, especially after those those 20, possibly, I guess you could say, to stretch 30 minutes, you know, it was playing too as well. And and so, you know, it, it just I think really that was I think that was our mistake. I think the fact that we let yeah. Brazil get back into it, we let them get into their rhythm and we lost ours. I think, I think you can chuck it down to maybe a lack of concentration in that sense because if you keep that rhythm, if you keep Brazil on their toes, and if you keep Brazil from being that dangerous target, I mean, you clearly saw who the best player on the pitch was, and it was William. If you could have stopped William, if you could have somehow kind of just maybe, uh, you know, kind of, so, you know, stopped his runs and, and stopped exactly what he was doing, um, I think you would have halted Brazil's attack. I don't think Mexico picked up on that. We were so worried about Neymar and him being on the floor and him taking up time that we never really stopped to think, okay, the one player that's causing us so much trouble is William down on that right-hand side. And I think that, that that's just frustrating for me because like you said for a good period of time 20 stretching 30 minutes it it, it was seeming like we were you know going to get something out of this game that we were fighting and there was a couple of opportunities where we could have done things better um but you know at the end of the day it i think we need to blame ourselves for this performance because we weren't just there i think i think some some players just weren't 100% there, whether it was the nerves, whether it was just the mental aspect of it. I don't know what it was, but at the end of the day, some of these players need to look at themselves and say, I did not have the best game possible. Granted, we did what we did against Germany. That's great. And we said that could easily turn into something that could backfire and, and play against us. But I think what we did against Germany, fine, leave that there. That is a performance that will be looked back and celebrated, yes, but go out and play against Brazil and and this is a new game. This is a new match. This is new for everything. So don't try to ride on that high horse of a Germany matchup when you're playing against a Brazil side that's completely different to what to what Germany was. So I think at the end of the day, if you look at it very, very well, I think we need to blame ourselves for this. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, coming out too, you see it, you know, it, it, he went, Juan Carlos went back to the 4-3-3 whenever he came out. And you see against Germany and, you know, throughout the whole group stage, you know, it's something, it was something different, something that, you know, you could say you've never seen, you know, obviously though, you know, he obviously repeated the lineup, you know, going to the Sweden game too as well, but you know, the, the you, you look back at it too and, you know, you think to yourself, could the formation change have a, have an impact too as well, because it's a 4-3-3 and then you, you started off at the group stage, you know, with like, what was like a 4-2-3-1, I mean, you know, it's yeah. Or four three or four three two one something like that, and so you know you wonder if that has an effect on on the team too as well. Maybe I'm pretty sure that's a that's a highly highly uh, possibility. Um, but if you want to stretch this maybe a little bit more back, I think if you want to blame our we we do we there's no one else to blame but ourselves. And I think where we lost this was against Sweden. Um, all we needed was a freaking draw. So all we needed was a draw against Sweden. We weren't even able to manage a performance like that. So what 
what right do we have to say that we were able to advance any further if against Sweden uh, we weren't even able to get a draw off a game that really we, we, we knew we were capable of? Yeah, and, and and really, you know, at that point too, you're 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 in the driver's seat. I mean, you you really have control on the group, you know, because you have six points, you know, and you're still facing elimination no matter what. You could have easily been eliminated if Germany would would have stomped on Korea, and you know, obviously we lost to Sweden, but you know that's not the case, and we got bailed out. And, you know, that's that's something you know that that's something you know that we that shouldn't have happened. Really, if you look at it, you know, obviously, you know, thanks, thank you. To the South Korean players, you know, for, for putting out a performance too and getting a result, you know, a lot of people say this is the World Cup of underdogs. You know, you've, you've seen that, and so you know, it, you look back at it too, and really, like you said, just the draw needed, and we didn't go out and really perform like the way we can perform against the Sweden side. Yeah, yeah, but wait, there's some people that are saying we qualified because we beat Germany, we beat South Korea, we advanced on six points, we did it on our own merit. No, that's not true. We got lucky that uh, we, some of the results went our way. We knew that we were in, quote-unquote, the group of death. We knew how tough it was going to be. We knew how well we needed to play. The fact that in the last matchup, in the matchup where you needed just a draw, you couldn't manage something as simple as a draw, it's ridiculous. Um, and I think the most important part was once you see the team go down, Something changes. These players' minds, I don't know where they go, but they there's no real comeback from them. There's no real urge. Yeah, there's a couple of times where a couple of players are running and trying to do things on their own, but they're there's there's no fight, there's no will to there to them that says, I'm coming back for it, I'm coming back for it, I'm coming back for it. It's just more like I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try, but if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, you know. There was something, something going on, and there's been reports that maybe some that the locker room was divided. I mean, we saw what happened with Jonathan dos Santos liking a tweet from someone saying that Rafa Marquez should have never been on the pitch, and you know all these different stuff. So I don't know what it was about this team that gave us so much hopes, gave us so much illusion. But whenever we went down, we never showcased that we could get back up. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the whole picture as a whole, too, you know, whenever it comes to Juan Carlos Osorio's uh, tenure with the national team too. I mean, you, you don't see that. You don't see that in any other previous game too, as well. Really, the of a team of this team really coming back and making a fight after going down one or two goals. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I I, I would have expected more, especially in such a big stage like the World Cup, especially against a matchup like um like against Brazil. I I, I expected more. I mean, we went down a goal. Um, and let's talk about that goal because I think we could have avoided that goal easily if if we were better at our decision-making in the final third. And this is something that we talked about heavily, real, real heavily, uh, that Mexico looked great going forward, but there was no clinical pass. There was no, th- th- there was no finishing, and there was very poor decision-making when it came to the final third. If you if I run this down to you, it's Jesus Gallardo running, charging on the counterattack. Once he gets close enough to goal, he literally has two options. One, shoot the ball or pass it out wide to a Chucky Lozano that is alone. Alone and can run inside and probably most likely maybe puts that ball behind Allison and in the back of the net. And Gallardo opts out to shoot. To shoot. Against two defenders possibly blocking him. And 
it was it's ridiculous that he doesn't make the right decision and because of that he he you know the the ball goes over and Allison takes the the uh, the goal kick from there Brazil do what Brazil do they start touching they start moving and then they they then they pass it off to Neymar who then ends up putting a ball down the middle which Ochoa gets close to but uh then ultimately you know someone pokes it into the back of the net and we're down one nil and all of that comes because Jesus Gallardo didn't pass the ball to Chucky Lozano so it's these simple little mistakes that you think, oh, well, that's just one in a few chances that could happen. But it happened. And in a World Cup, you can't give yourself that option. If you have the easy option out, use it. Take it. This game is not meant to be a difficult, tough game that is built on skill and everything. It's about simplicity. It's about who can play the game as simple and as well as possible and do it effectively. If Jesus Gallardo plays that ball out, to Chucky Lozano and Chucky Lozano goes in and takes the shot and potentially either scores or wins us a corner kick. Now that's something different. And the fact that we didn't and we gave Brazil the opportunity to get the ball back and start doing their thing, that's where we killed ourselves. And then the worst thing after that was once they scored, they looked they looked even more dangerous. And it didn't even look like we were even gonna be able to come back because no one out there on that pitch decided, okay, give me the ball, I'm gonna make something happen. Yeah, in you know something something I've I've always thought about too. You know you know, um, be, being though only that you know the World Cup is a month long. You know, you know it's it's also too short of a tournament to to really like say that the the better team you know in terms of possession and shots you know uh, deserve the win because they played great. You know I mean at the end of the day, dude, um, you either advance or you don't. You, you make the top two in the group when you don't, and you know if. If you opt to play beautifully, you know, and the knockouts too, and it comes back and bites you in the end, you know, well, then, you know, that's something that you that you did because, you know, obviously, you know, you got to go out and really do what you got to do to scrap for that win to go forward and advance in this tournament too as well. I mean, there's no room for mistake at all. No room whatsoever, but it's just – it's it's amazing that we, that, that we can't even go and have a game like – like a like a game against Germany in in such an important time, I don't know. It's just it's it's mind boggling, really. Um, you you look back and some of the performances. I I think Chucky Lozano could have done more. I think. I think really, I, the only player that st- stood out for me this whole World Cup was Ochoa. Because you can say Bella had a a good couple of games. Yes, he did. Chukulatano had a goal against Germany, an important one, yes, but did he really showcase anything after that? I would argue no. Um, you look at, uh, I mean, you, you look at Chicharito, who was supposed to be our potent goal scorer, who was supposed to be this kind of, you know, uh, uh, big-time striker for us. And I feel like he, he just he just didn't do enough. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, man, and, you know, you you see that too from from Andres Guardado too. I, really, I mean, I don't. I really. It's, it just seems to me that he was just non-existent in almost every game that he played. I don't really think he did a lot either, you know. And you know th- that's speaking that's speaking of our captain too. You know, um, some play. I mean, some players should have been. Some players I feel like just were somewhere else in mind. And as much as we praised how well we were defensively and all this stuff. I think if you look at this, look look at it this way. Guillermo Ochoa has, I think, now 25 saves in this whole World Cup. 
25. That's the most out of any goalkeeper in the tournament so far. But what does that say to you? What does that say to you that Ochoa has had to make 25 saves in a, in a period of four matches? That's a lot. I mean, it really does. If you sit there and think about it, that says a lot. That says that that questions are midfield. That questions are defense. You know, it, it should also question our attackers, but we'll we'll question them a little bit later. If your goalkeeper needs to make about twenty five saves within four matches, that means something is going wrong. That means you are not doing what's expected of you as a defender or as a holding midfielder because. Your goalkeeper should not have to work that hard because you, as a defense, should be stopping most of those opportunities going your way. I mean, if that was the case, I mean, Ochoa has more saves than the South Korea goalkeeper. You would imagine he would have had more more of a hard time, especially facing up against Sweden and Germany first. Mm-hmm. You know, and against us. So I mean, what? It's just ridiculous that yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful praise for Ochoa, and I, and I love the fact that he's getting recognized for for the elite goalkeeper that he is. But what does that say about our defense? You know, as solid as we thought we were, as as, as great as we thought we were, it shouldn't be that our goalkeeper needs to be this amazing, amazing twenty-five save goalkeeper. He needs to make them. He needs to make the big saves when he needs to, and he has. But you know, we shouldn't be giving up such such uh, so many opportunities. A lot of opportunities to do, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of people can can come out and say that. Uh, obviously, Hector Moreno not being there, a big a big part of the, the defense too as well. But you know, at the same time, you look back at the Sweden game, and you know, he doesn't have a very good game against Sweden either. And you know, a lot of people say, well, we don't have uh, a Rajo either. But at the, at the same time, how much of a difference would it have make really? I mean, we could sit here and speculate all we want, but we, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is the back line we came out with, and you know. It's pretty. It's pretty much favorable that you could say a, a consistent back line too, as well that that we used throughout the whole tournament. Yeah, yeah, and the defense. I, I would imagine. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we have great defenders. I think we're solid when we are on our day, but we didn't really have so many moments like that. I mean, we gave away too many shots. I think. Um, but now we focus our attention on 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 the other side of the pitch. I think. Our forwards let us down extremely. I think we didn't take enough chances. We didn't create enough chances. Whenever we had opportunities to create something, we always chose the wrong decision. We always made the wrong pass. It was it was like if they hardly knew how to play with each other. Fourteen shots. You you, you want to take a stab at how many how many were on target? Uh, I'm going with six. One. <laughs> Wait, so you tell me out of this whole World Cup? Oh, out of the whole World Cup. Oh, I'm talking about oh. just the Brazil game. Oh, oh, the Brazil game. No, but that says a lot even more too. I mean, yeah. one, only one on target. That that goes to show you because there was no opportunity. I don't remember clearly going and jumping out of my seat saying, oh, my God, we were so, so close. Uh, I remember Vela shot, but that was just like inches, inches away from the, from the post. Yeah. But I mean, I don't. I'm like you said. I don't. I don't remember any clear cut chances. Any, any as well. I don't think Allison was even at all remotely as tired as Ochoa was by the end of the final whistle. I think he had one save the whole game. I mean, what is that? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, you know. Com- compared to Ochoa's eight saves. Exactly. Can you imagine that? You know, it just it it just goes to show, and then 
you know, we didn't do better after the goal. We conceded. We 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 just looked so much less than what we were. You know, we have so much more that we can give, so much more that we can do, but we didn't showcase it, and that's the most frustrating part. And then, of course, the second goal comes, and I think once that second goal is scored, you know, you you're like it's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. As much as you want to believe in this team, as much faith, as much aspirations that you had for your nation as soon as that second goal comes which by the way Ochoa literally was literally centimeters from saving it 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 touches his foot but since the ball was traveling too fast it was the contact he made wasn't enough to kind of veer it off direction but it's it's just unlucky sometimes you know and at the end of the day second goal is scored and I think you look at yourself and you say okay it's 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 gonna end in a heartbreak again I mean, there's re- there's really nothing more to say. I mean, I mean, I know I know you're talking a lot, and I just feel like you know that I don't feel like I'm talking a lot either. It's just it, it's just it just sucks to talk about too as well. I mean, no, I mean nobody wants to see see your team you know go out and you know play the defending world champs. You know, all you you get this huge win, you know, three points. You know, when a lot of people expected you know a loss, and then you know or more or less a draw maybe. Where you go out and get a win, and really a, a historical win, and then you know all of a sudden you you beat Korea and you're in the driver's seat of the group. You know you're going for more history and winning three games in a row, and then you know you just tank against Sweden and then don't really show up the whole game against Brazil. I mean it just sucks to talk. It just sucks to talk about. I mean, I mean you you really had high, you really had high hopes and if if you if you listen to the players if you listen to you know everything they had to say. You know all the trust, all the faith they had in Osorio, and then it just seems like for what now? No, yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, just a little bit to talk talk about what we were saying. Our, our good friend right here, Chicken Biscuit, says, uh, "I think our record of three goals scored and six goals conceded shows how inconsistent the team was on both ends." And I think you you sum it up perfectly, my friend, right there. It 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 did really it, it showcases what uh, what what we were saying. Uh, so thank you for that comment. Um, so now you know Mexico is out, and and I think you know after the final whistle blows, I think some of the reaction from these players were a little bit late. <clears throat> I think they realized it a little bit too soon. I mean, too late. Um, obviously they were hurt by it, um, but I felt like I felt like there was not much of an emotion there. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just you know you see the way things ended four years ago with against the Netherlands and 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 that one was I think even that way was. tougher than than this one uh, because I think that one we at least deserved more but uh, out of this game against Brazil we we weren't there you know as much as we want to complain about Neymar on the floor and as much as we want to complain about his time wasting and everything like that at the end of the day he's going through and we're not you know as Granted, yes, you know, maybe that's 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 but that's part of his game. We know that. We know that. Why are you why are you gonna try to complain or stop that? You know how it is. Just find a way around it. You know, we I think we were so so stuck on name or this, name or that, that we didn't really a hundred percent focus on first of all his teammates around him, which by the way, have more than enough talent to to, to give us a threat, and we saw that. And we didn't really focus on our game at the end of the day. I think we let this kind of like 
anger towards you know the time wasting and 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 all of this that he that that we kind of just got thrown off what we really needed to do mm-hmm. yeah really man really i mean we even said it in the last one too i mean um you know who besides neymar should we look out for and you know we even said cortino you know but who who would have really thought to uh william too i mean i i, I didn't even think about william too and we're worried about Coutinho than anything but, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about 11 players on the pitch, not just one. Granted, to my defense, I did say William. If he started, oh, you did. You did. I, I said I, if he I starts, William is definitely going to be a threat for us. I wasn't so sure whether he was going to play or whether Douglas Costa was going to play. But, look, there was no Marcelo on the pitch. There was no Danilo. They had two different wing, uh, fullbacks that they aren't considered their starters. And we thought, perfect, Chucky Lozano was going to have a field day, but – I mean, he wasn't even able to get past Fraga. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, we didn't deserve it, and we don't go through, and the final whistle blows, and it hurts you. It, it hurts you, and you're sad. You're upset. I don't think you're upset because of the game. I, well, yeah, you are upset because, you know, your team didn't perform the way you wanted them. But I think at the end, what hurts most, I think what hurts most as a fan uh, is the fact that, this team gave you an illusion. This team gave you a hope, and they didn't. They they, they didn't perform on it. They they didn't do what they had said they were gonna do. You know, they were they, they fell short of their word, and I think that's what hurts the most because you believe that as a fan, you you always believe it and you always have trust and you always have faith. But it felt different this year. It felt it felt like you could truly see things happen. You could see yourself. In a semifinal, in a possible final, you believe that there was the talent, there was the, you know, there was the expectations that that these players had and what they they wanted, the mindset, the whole thing about the psychologist and their different aspects, you know, everything was just so much different, and and you believed in it and you said yes, this this is our year. And the way we performed in the last two matches, I think that's what hurts the most, is the fact that. You believed, and you and you were and you were stuck on it, and you were you know you were willing to die for that cause, and the players weren't. I mean, I mean, look at all of the fans that traveled too. I mean, this, the stadium rocked almost every game, man. Exactly, exactly, and you would expect that those fans deserve better, but I mean, the players didn't deliver like they like they said they would. Exactly. And, you know, we always, we rode behind, you know, believe in them, nada nos detiene, imaginemos cosas chingonas, and this and that, and everything. They they hyped you up, and you believed, and and those players didn't show up. Like I mentioned, Chicharito, for me, was was poor. Mm-hmm. Was poor. Uh, Tecatito, again, another player that was poor. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of high hopes, a lot of... Uh, you know what? It was the blonde hair. I'm I'm just calling it out right now. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, let's go. Let's let's be serious. We they, Takatito dyes his hair blonde, and he doesn't perform. Charito, Layun, Salcedo, they they all get that blonde hair, and guess what? We lose. Could so, you imagine if Ochoa did that? Oh my God, no! Don't don't even put that <laughs> in the universe. Don't. He needs to keep his hair as it is. Remember when he cut it? Oh my god, I, I hated it when he cut it. I know it was just. Ugh. People were saying his powers were gone after that. 
Yeah, they they really said that. Yeah, and they really said that. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's in the curls. <laughs> it's in the curls, no. but uh, the team exits and and it hurts. Uh, even though we know that we didn't deserve it, I think it just it, it just hurts that you know that there was more that we could have gave, but the players didn't didn't do enough. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, you were really cheering for this team, especially after all that scandal and all everything that broke out. You were like, "I'm, I'm behind my team 100%." And they go out and do that against Brazil. It's like, well, I guess maybe, I sh- maybe, maybe we should have been a little bit more realistic. But I think we were being a li- little bit realistic. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think we were. I, th- I think it's, uh, I think it's just the fact that the players let us down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said. Just some players didn't just show up. I mean, it's it's down down to the bottom line, really. I mean, we we could sit here and say that all we want, and it's just gonna be repeated. But it's it's just the bottom line. Well, so that ends Mexico's performance in the World Cup. We lose to Brazil. Brazil moves on. We go home, and now questions are gonna be asked: whether or not we keep Osorio, whether or not we bring in someone else. What's gonna be the future for this uh, for this Mexican national team? What are the future for some of these players abroad and back home? Uh, so many questions, and, and with about four years time to answer all of them. Uh, you know, that's a whole deep conversation to have, which I don't think we have the time for. But just to kind of give a quick oversight, Dylan, just what do you think? What do you think needs to needs to happen to improve moving forward with this national team? Having a having a coach through the whole cycle, really. I mean, implementing implementing their philosophy, their their style, their play, and really not necessarily their play, but the play that's going to help the team. You know, the play that that suits. Uh, this team as well with the players that avail- that are available that are going to be possibly going to the next World Cup. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of pl- a lot of people are calling for a lot of youth too, as well to get called up. You know, we're going to see that too. I think you know with like the likes of Omar Gorvea, um, possibly Linus, um, you know, just players like that too to really move that. You know, it's start is I mean, you're not going to really see a lot of pl- a whole handful of players that are going to make it to the next World Cup. You know, possibly a few. Uh, to name, you know, because, you know, uh, them growing of age, too, as well. So, I mean, really just what's going to fit the style of the team and what, what what this team needs, really, of a coach. Question about that, because we have Mr. Leyva on here. Should we bring in Matias Almeida? I mean, you see the reports, really. I mean, there. I saw something today. Um, Juan Sar looks like he is in a verbal agreement with the with the U.S. national team, which you know, and then obviously you know Almeida was supposed to go to the Middle East somewhere. I don't I don't remember where exactly. Then he actually turns down the job, and hope and it looks like the signs are pointing to him coming in. Um, I wouldn't mind it. He's a very likable guy. This is a job that he has said that he he would take too, and you know, I, you seen him winning Liga Mekis, you know. He's, he's seen what he's done at, at Chivas, which you know I don't really like to say, <laughs> but <laughs> but but I mean you know I I feel like it could suit I feel like it could suit the team as well. Okay, Leva, who mentioned that to to us in the group in the in the live chat right here, I'm about to completely make you 
uh, not like the podcast anymore, but I'm going to say I, I don't want Almeida as our Mexican national team coach. And it's not that I don't like the guy, and I'm I'm, I'm putting this whole Americanismo and all that thing aside, and I'm, I'm looking at it from kind of the perspective of what's best for the national team. I think what's best right now is to kind of – wait out give it a little bit let's not just hire someone right away just after this world cup let's give it a couple of months you know there's we we got what a friendly comes come uh september, september right and i mean if you want to use in a uh, someone just kind of you know intermediate at the at that point okay that's fine let's just appoint someone for the intermediate job but let's take a good extended amount of period of time i want to say four, five, six months, and really weigh out our options. Okay, let's put Almeida in the mix, but let's also throw in another three, four candidates, and let's see. Let's really see who and, – and and bring in those four, five, six different candidates and say, okay, you want the job. We like you as a person, but what are you going to bring to the table? What are you going to do differently? What are you going to make uh, possible for us? How are you going to get us past this, uh, you know, fourth game and into the quinto partido? And – evaluate and really have the people that know about the game like Gerardo Torado, like uh, the, you know, everyone down there in the Federation that's played the game and, and knows how the game is run. Interview these people and see, okay, within this time frame, what have you done if whether you're at club level or if you're a national team uh, coach at this time, whatever the case may be. But I want to see a manager being picked the perfect way possible. You know, let's assess them for a good amount of time. Let's check what their history is, what the good is, what the bad is, what they know about Mexican soccer, what they don't know, what they think they know, and how well they can get along with the players. Because remember, the the, the, the national team manager job is uh, such a difficult one because you don't get to train with these players week in and week out. You don't get to see them, you know, every other, uh, you know, every every week of the day. So it's a difficult one. So let's see how they manage players. How 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 well can they do to kind of create a relationship with players? So for right, me right now, there is no perfect manager. There is no one one candidate that I'm going. Yes, he he has to be the next coach. And it's not even Pio Herrera. A lot of people would think, oh, he's just gonna say Pio Herrera because you know Americanist and all that. It's not for me. It's not even Pio Herrera. I don't even think he's the right man for the job at this point. I think there's a right there's a perfect candidate out there. But let's give it some time. Let's 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 just let's 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 really break this down and and take our time because, I mean, you know, it's it it's it's a very tough job, and we need the right man for it. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, in a sense too, you know, obviously we had Juan Carlos Osorio for three for three years, you know, really. So you know, um, almost technically, I guess, in the sense of full cycle, you know. Yeah. Even though, even yeah, so you know that that's that's what I want to see too, is I, I want to see a, a coach go basically through a full cycle again too, you know, because at the end of the day, man, I mean, what are we gonna do? Have a coach for two years and all of a sudden, you know, we lose a couple games and you know people are gonna be asking for for his head and you know, what well, I mean, what if what if he goes out then the new person you're bringing is gonna have an, a year at most maybe, and then you know the World Cup's gonna be here and then all of a sudden you know. We don't we don't meet the expectations that that we meet, and then whose fault is that, that going to be really? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, you know, like you said, you know, right now, I mean, just just take some time, you know. You really just got eliminated, and so you know. But I just I just want somebody that's going to be be here for the long haul too. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they, they, they make the right decisions, not just in the managerial spot as well, but everything moving forward. I think there's a lot of things wrong in Mexico right now with, within the federation, within the league. Uh, you know, perfect example is Rodolfo Pizarro, you know, someone we expected to be in Europe right now. Unfortunately, he's going to have to spend another couple of years in uh, Monterrey. So we'll see how things go. There's a lot to, to, to fix. There's a lot to kind of, you know, things that we have to do, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait yeah. and see. The, the, new, the new rule change, too, about the about the uh, Mexican players, like under 23, I think. I think it was getting a certain amount of minutes, too, as well. So we'll see if that can go into effect. This is the same rule, you know, when players like, you know, like, like Fela and Chicharito and, like, players like that, where whenever they were playing back in Liga Mexico, where they jumped to Europe too, as well. So let's see, let's see how this works out too. I really hope it works out too. Not not necessarily for the league, but for the youth too, as well, because a lot of people have always called for the youth to get more playing time, and and that the rule change, the rules, like the nine nine rule, for example, has not worked out too great at times. Yeah, it's a slippery slope that uh, this whole wanting youngsters, but also wanting great players, also wanting competitive football. It's 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 really you know it's a slippery slope. But uh, that is a discussion for another time for a Liga MX uh, kind of podcast centric topic. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm just lost with words. So um, I mean, ultimately, how do you how do you performance one out of ten this World Cup? What do you give Mexico? I mean, and at the end of the day, too, you see it, and you know, it's it's really the same old, same old. I mean, a lot. Of, some people would ask, you know, is this a successful World Cup? Is this a failure? Is this the same old, same old? And really, you know, I kind of see it the same old, same old. I guess you could say, in a sense, you know, if, uh, given given the history too, as well. You know, obviously, you know, in in twenty ten, you know, we we saw this side be France. You know, 2014, you know, a lot of people say we were going to lose to Brazil. We managed to get a draw. Um, we beat the world champs this past this past year, you know, in the group stages, too. And some people some people actually say, you know, it's pretty successful, actually, beating the group champs, too. And, you know, I can, I, can, I can understand that. I can agree that. But to me, you know, it's just same old, same old, really. I mean, I, 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 if, I, if I put on a scale, like you said, 1 to 10, you know, maybe a 6, 7, maybe, at most. I'd maybe 7, especially. I think when we beat Germany, we were at a 10. We beat then South Korea, but we didn't look so good. All right, we dropped to a 9. We lose 3-0 against Sweden, go down to a 7. And the performance we put against Brazil puts us right at a 6. So a 6 for you and a 6 for me, I guess that's uh, wow, that's not even good. That's 60%. That's what, a D? Yeah, I think so. A D, yeah, that is a D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... A lot of people will back back that win against Germany and say, "How can you not celebrate what we did against Germany?" But that's just one game. I, how how can I live off of just one game? Because it's ridiculous. You can't justify the performances after that if 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 all you're gonna do is celebrate a win against the World Cup champs. You know, we were we were intended for more, and the fact that we didn't achieve those goals and the fact that we weren't able to prove that on the pitch that's what hurts the most. You know. That's why, for me, we're sticking on a six. I'll always remember that victory against Germany, and I'll 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 always live it in my memory and think what a wonderful, wonderful matchup that was. But I'm not gonna write home and say this was more than enough for me because it wasn't. And I'm pretty sure a lot of fans would think the same. It's not. So I if, mean, at the if, end of, 
go if, if um no i i think this is a pretty obvious answer and uh people um that are watching right now put in the chat you know tell me what you think but if if we were to make the quinto partido and we lose would you still consider that a successful world cup for us on a analytical level and on a kind of media level yes yes Personally, no. No, for me personally, no. Okay. But I could see it being a good World Cup if we go to the Quinto Partido. I think the media, you know, says, you know, they, they eat it up. They say we got past the Quinto Partido, all of that stuff. If you analyze it from that perspective, then yes, it would have been it would have been a great World Cup. For me personally, no. I think uh, semifinals would have been a good a good World Cup for us. But that's just me as a fan. And and because I see this team that we have and I see the talent that we have that um, that I just have higher expectation for us because I know we can achieve those expectations because I see Mexican soccer and I see Mexican players and and, and I see and I know my own my own nation and my own culture that I know we're top four. We just haven't been able to prove it on the pitch. Yeah. Okay. I see you. But I mean, that does that. Unfortunately, that wraps it up. Our L3 edition of the Eagle Eye podcast comes to an end for now. And, uh, now we got to change the profile picture. Yeah, time to change the profile picture. We're going back to good old, good old Liga Mekis and Club America. That's how that's that's uh, that's helping soften the blow a little bit, knowing that the Liga Mekis will be back soon. We're, we're already starting to cover Club America uh, with this past weekend that we uh, that we were covering the matchups yesterday, too. They had a friendly against uh, Pachuca. Um, so we, we just want to say thank you to everyone who came out here uh, to to witness the, the World Cup edition of the Eagle Eye podcast, who just kind of vibe with us, who kind of joined the discussions, who listened to us, who aren't even America fans, but uh, they they came anyways just to kind of hear what we had to say. And ultimately, we want to thank you guys, really, from the bottom of our hearts. This is impossible without any of you guys, the listeners, who are the most important part of a podcast. So thank you so much. Uh, and, you know, we hope to see you back again soon. If you're not an America fan and, you know, we always invite you if for whatever whatever team that you do like and America is going to be playing against them, you know, come come on over and hear our and, and uh, make sure you guys come over here and hear our preview to that matchup. Uh, we promise uh, we're not just always just America, America, America. We also like to give a perspective for uh, for for other teams as well. So, again, thank you guys for coming out here and, and, and being part of the family. And uh, hopefully you guys can stick around because, uh, you know, we're going to try to do our best to, to be able to accommodate all of you. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. It's it's growing and, and being together as a community. Yes, yes, definitely. And we want to thank you all again. And, um, you know, we're about to dive into a little bit of details for the upcoming season two as well. And um, some other secrets we cannot share yet, which, you know, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to spill the secret secret. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I wasn't supposed to spill that we have secrets. <laughs> You know, in a sense. So I mean, you know, just uh, just stick around, guys. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good opportunity. So Dylan already throwing out some spoilers there, but um, yeah, make sure you guys do come on. We're we're gonna try to do our best to 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 make it bigger and better this season. Uh, and if you're not a Medica fan, uh, whenever whenever we do play against your team, make sure you guys come on by, say hi, and uh, you know, 
let us know what your prediction is for that game as well. We always love to interact with other people, whether whether they're America fans or not. I think at the end of the day, what unites us together is not only the Mexican national team, but the Mexican league itself. So always, uh, you know, always make sure you guys shoot up, uh, shoot us a, a message right there. And uh, we always welcome that opportunity. So uh, make sure you guys do follow us on Twitter. That's our best way to contact us. It's uh, at Eagle iPod altogether. Uh, and make sure you guys do hit us up there. Now, in regards to the podcast, in regards to all of this, we do want to say that the podcast has come to an end on this channel, not as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast will be moving to its own YouTube channel. Uh, you guys will always be able to find us on SoundCloud and iTunes through our Eagle iPod page. So make sure you guys do follow us on those platforms. But the channel will be leaving. I mean, the, the podcast will be leaving my channel. As uh, the great uh, uh, Spike Lee once said, everything is finite and the podcast is coming to an end here. So fortunately, uh, you know, we're going to be moving on uh, hopefully to bigger and better things with this with with an Eagle Eye podcast channel. Kind of just, you know, centering everything around Club America and the podcast itself. So we have a lot of great, uh, great things in, in store for that channel. So make sure you guys do subscribe to it if you guys want to check us out. Uh, we're uh, we're going to release that uh, come this weekend, so make sure you guys do stay pendientes to our Twitter, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's it should be an, it should be a fun one. So uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely make it easy for you guys to to come and and find find your way and make it feel at home for you guys because that's that's the whole point. So that's why we're moving it. We're moving the podcast over. Hopefully you guys think it's a good idea. A lot of you guys voted on Twitter thinking that it, it was a good idea. And uh, now we're just going to give you guys exactly what you guys wanted. And I think this is exactly what we wanted, uh, I think, in the long run. Right, Dylan? Yes, yes. So we, we, Me and you have talked about it before a little bit, but we also want to give a say to the fans too as well. Yeah, so we're, we're moving over to the to, to a new channel. So hopefully you guys uh, are happy about that. And then... Uh, Whenever we do move, I'll make sure to let you guys know on Twitter. Make sure I'll make make sure I let you guys know here on YouTube as well, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you guys all caught up on that. Um, and as always, make sure you guys do follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes because uh, you guys can always have us on the go. So, with that said, any any more news that we have in regards to the to the podcast? Um, no, not in regards to the podcast. No, I think I think I think that was the only thing to talk about. I'm seeing. I'm checking the calendar here because I know we have a pretty big announcement to make. Uh, we are podcasting next week, but will we will we be doing it before the 11th? Yes, before the 11th. Okay, so we'll save our news for that for that day. So make sure you guys do tune in, and it will be the first episode on the new Eagle Eye podcast page, and it's uh, and it's it's pretty big news. Uh, and it's uh, we'll, we'll actually have two pretty big announcements to make. Um, and one of them will uh, will will be kind of a of a meetup of sorts if uh, if everything goes to plan. So, um, make sure you guys do tune in. And if you guys uh, are new to the Eagle Eye podcast, we welcome you. And uh, we just hope to kind of grow and and make things possible. So, we'll leave that up for next week. And I think with that said, is there one more segment that we got to get to? Oh yes, yes we do. We have the a very very quick Club America segment because we will be focusing on them for what uh, uh, 365 days from here on out. Yes, from here on out. yes. 
Uh, so basically, Las Aguilas del América are great beloved Eagles are back in action. They've been back in action in the Tour Aguila. Uh, they've played now three games in, uh, in in their preseason and won all three of them. So Dylan, uh, and I know we maybe haven't put too much attention to this, but you and me have been keeping an eye on them. Uh, what does this say about the team going three for three? I think it's a pretty good sign. Are, are you sure it's three for three? Yeah, it is because we played against Atlante in Mexico and we beat them. And then we played against Santos Laguna, we beat them. And then we just recently played against Pachuca and we beat them also. I could have swore we drew against Atlante. No, we won. We actually won that game. <laughs> okay. okay, I could have swore we drew. Okay, but no, I mean, it's a good sign. I mean, you know, yeah, it's preseason, but, you know, you always want to start off um, pretty hot, you know, get, get back into that rhythm. And so you know it's it's re- it's really good for this team too as well you know we're getting some chemistry going with the new players obviously uh, Sanchez Sanchez um yesterday was playing really really good you know I thought he was showing some good stuff uh Roger Martinez as well um doing some good doing some stuff too you know it's 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 really good to have these preseason friendly games to get that chemistry going to get the rhythm going and you know just to just to have that feel again Yeah it's wonderful it's it's the most beautiful thing in the world when America plays, regardless of what anyone wants to tell me otherwise. Um, it, it's, it's just good to see the team in rhythm. And and I think the best thing about it, too, is maybe not what we see on the pitch, but what we see off of it with um, you know the social media accounts. You see them working really, really hard in this preseason. You know, you see them working out. You see them building muscle. You see Diego Linus. Diego Linus is getting ripped. Heck yeah, man. I wasn't that ripped when I was 18. I was like, oh, I mean, I've been hitting the gym, but I mean, I'm not even there yet. So I'm still, I guess I've got like five years to go to get to that point. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's wonderful though because I think you you see these these players, they know what's uh, you know what's to come, and uh, and and it, and and it feels right, you know. And we'll talk a lot more in detail next come next week about the preseason, about what we expect the uh, the apertura to be, about these new signings, about. Whether or not we should have got another player, what we feel about Pio Herrera, the objectives, the uh, the kind of expectations, thing from a fan perspective, also as kind of a uh, you know just just in general what what the world would have what the league expects out of America too. So we'll have you guys covered on every aspect on uh, when it comes to that. So make sure you guys do tune in for the first ever Eagle Eye podcast episode on its own YouTube account. Yes, stay tuned. Really excited for this upcoming up into that too. You can feel it. You can feel it in your gut. Even though Mr. Leva has said that Chivas is winning the Apertura and that uh, we should jot it down. Uh, I don't know about that. All I have to say to that is, can you guys buy players now? Yes, they can. They can? Oh, so they, they fixed their financial problem? Yes, they have fixed their financial problem. Well then. Gosh, dang, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that just goes to show you, I don't really keep up with them. It's, it's just... Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, no, and, and, and Labor, we, we, we invite you to come back whenever the Classical comes uh, because we will, uh, we, we, will, we will definitely be doing something pretty big for that, as yeah. always. Uh, I, I, think, I think the Chivas and Norte want to do something again. Yeah, I, they you did. Gotta, you, you and Flo still got to do that second leg, man. Which, by the way, I'm winning... 3-1, right? I think it's 3-1. I think so. Either way, I got the W so far. So we'll see. Flo, hit us up. 1-800-333-445. And uh, let me know when you're available for that second match. Um, 
but yeah, make make sure you do come back later because we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a whole segment uh, with Chivas people with America people. It's 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 gonna be fantastic. So make sure you guys make sure you guys come back for that. Make sure you guys come back for every episode. Really, we're gonna try to do our best to kind of give you guys the best content possible. So uh, without further ado, Dylan, I think that's everything. No, who you got winning the World Cup now? Um, I'm going France. Right. That's that's exactly what I was thinking too. Gotta ride that Mbappe wave. Yeah. 19. Godly, you see what things he's doing. Jesus Christ. Kind of puts you in perspective like, wow, where was I at 19? I was 19 a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I guess we're we're all going to put on that France jersey and uh, and, and see what happens. Um, They're looking good, though. I'll give you, I'll I'll say this, though. If France doesn't make it, I I think we are gonna see a, a a surprise champion. I think so too. I'm just putting this out there. If Russia wins the World Cup, we can officially start digging into bribery. They're doped up, man. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you know, it's it's Putin's house. Well, we're we're just a guest in it, I guess. So somebody, somebody in the chat said that England's gonna win it. Yeah, Leva, Leva said England will win the World Cup. I'll take that too. I'll take that too. France or England, I'll take either or. Yeah, yeah, I can. I don't know. We'll see. Hurricanes, we'll Hurricanes, hot. He is. So, uh, chicken biscuit. I want the Belgium surprise title. Okay, I can see that too. You know what? At the end of the day, whoever wins, wins. At, at yeah. this point, <laughs> if it's not Mexico, <laughs> then <laughs> it's, it's like, well, it's a toying cost, toying cost at this point. But, um, yeah, that's 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 who we got here at the Eagle Eye Podcast. You guys heard it here first. Either England, France, um, or Belgium is going to win the World Cup, or Russia, most likely. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess you can justify losing to the world champions if they do win. But nah, nah. No, that's just the hurt Ivan talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you again to everyone who came out here today. It's been the Eagle Eye Podcast episode twenty-seven. The L Tree Edition has come to an end. We'll see you guys again in four years for the World Cup again. But uh, make sure you guys do come in and check up on us from time to time. We will have you guys covered. The L Tree Edition will be back come September when we do play the United States here. Uh, in a friendly so make sure you guys tune in for that as well but again americanistas get ready it should be a wonderful season we'll be back next week we don't take vacations because unfortunately dylan used them all up for the both of us so we'll uh <laughs> we'll uh we'll be back next week ready to go for the apertura and uh i guess nothing more to say but excited for this so again thank you dylan for coming on and as always being the best co-host oh you haven't put out those applications yet no, no. Well, no. That, technical difficulties. I mean, it's, it's it's what we live on. Yeah, that's true too. It is very a lot of technical difficulties. So it's it, it, it makes our show better in 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 no way possible. <laughs> 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming to the live shows. And if you guys can never catch a live event, always find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at Eagle iPod. And as always, vamos Mexico. We weren't able to do it this year. But we will in four years. All right. Until next time, guys, take care. Arriba la América and vamos México.